So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I also want to welcome all those that's watching by way of also global community and around the world, literally. We're glad to have you with us as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 and 2. You'll recognize it. Pastor Dwayne's been using this as a text. And so I'm going to share with you that word. And tonight I'm going to be preaching on the subject of saved. Now what? People that got saved. Now what? And, you know, the part, of, part of the word the Lord gave me tonight is understanding. The way I heard it in my heart was there's seven things that became a reality when you and I became born again, became saved. Seven things happened to us. So if I were to give a quiz tonight, hallelujah, how many could come up with the seven? So I encourage you to take notes or maybe a test. Just kidding. All right. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Scripture says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So how were you saved? What we just read was you were saved by hearing the gospel, you believed it, and you received it, and the Word declares that by doing that in your heart, that it, it, it says over you that you have become a saved person. Hallelujah. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 4, and 5 says, And you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, verses 4 and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Wow. I heard somebody in their heart, they said, I just wish that I knew I was. Hallelujah. I remember me in my young life of going to church, how many times I sat on the back row. Nothing about the back row, but I sat on the back row. And I did wonder often, Man, I wonder if I really am saved. Anybody would be honest enough to go, boy, me too. We have sometimes those reservations. And so tonight I want to share a word with you about this part of being saved. But I want it to really settle into your heart about that you were dead in trespasses and sins. And He saved you. So on the next screen, I think it's going to show for you, it's going to show some references and I don't have time to preach this part, but I just wanted to give you the, the references for these because what the Lord did in my life not that long ago was gave me a revelation that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, that it says in Genesis that in the day that you eat that fruit, that in that day you shall surely what? That you'll die. So in that day that they ate, something died. It wasn't their bodies that died. They kept on breathing air, right? Heart kept pumping. It wasn't their, their soul, their mind, their will and emotions. They kept thinking. They kept feeling. They kept making decisions and having those. So the thing that died in them, church, the thing that died was the spirit part of them that died. And it's not that it ceased to exist, but what happened was it became dormant. Because they were used to in their spirit communicating and, and having communication with the Lord and sensitivity to Him. They would even know and discerning that He's coming and they would hear and all those things would be happening to them. But yet, when they ate of that fruit, in that day, it surely 
laid down. It became dormant. Stopped functioning. So the rest of those verses that I gave for you, Genesis 3, 4, and 7, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and Romans 5, 12 through 19, all talks about the same part. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but He made you alive. He made that spirit part of you that was dead in trespasses and sins. He made it stand up on the inside when we became born again. So we now have that ability to relate and to communicate with God that we didn't. And think about that. Think about So prior to that, you might have gone to church before you were saved. And by by going to church, you were able to, to relate in your mind, reading verses, Maybe you were able to relate, to relate in the emotion and the feeling of sensing God's presence in a house. That God is here. Some people would be touched and ministered to. It, it, would, it would touch your heart. Listen. But you did not have the ability to have spirit-to-spirit connection with God the Father until you personally got saved. And when you got saved, something happened on the inside of you. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody talk about this before. Something happened on the inside of us. So that's, a, and I don't have time to preach a lot of that, but I just wanted to show you the reference for that. So here's the first question. What happened to us when we got saved? And there's terms that's in the Bible. It says that we were saved, we were born again, we were redeemed. I really like the word born again. I really do. Because there's something I also discovered not that long ago about that either by these terms that I'll share in just a moment. So how were we saved? Again, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved. I sure hope, Pastor. No, by grace you have been saved. Somebody needs to hear that again. By the grace gift, by God's grace, He gave you, if you just believe it and receive it, He gave you a free gift. And by receiving that gift, it declared the first thing is that you have been saved. Hallelujah. John chapter 3, verses 3 and 7. Jesus said it this this way. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 7, it says, I said to you, you must be born again. Now, there's something important. Jesus has to say it twice. You got to be born again. So something I read not that long ago said it this way. You must be born again or you must be born from above. So this is a spiritual experience that we have. It's not just going to a church. It's not just sitting in a a chair. But it's actually knowing that we're having this, where we were, I'm about to preach it now. Look at it now. That we were born from above. It was not I just decided to start going to church. But I became born from above. A supernatural experience. So in, in Karis... I wondered, and I said one time in Karis Chapel, so I wonder why that we read the Bible and we don't understand it. And I had this revelation. The reason is because this is a spiritual book, and if we're not spiritual beings, we cannot understand the spiritual book. 
If we just try to do it with just sheer intellectualism and with our, our brain, we can't understand it, right? So only spiritual beings that have been born from above can understand. Thank God for Karis Bible College students. And I'm glad you're born from above or you wouldn't have understood it. You'd have struggled in Bible college, hallelujah. But because you were born from above, you understood the word. It became engrafted in your heart and welcome to not for a long graduation service that you get to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Born from above. I said to you, you must be born again. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 uses the word redeemed and it says it this way. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You were redeemed, you were purchased by the blood of Jesus. Well, let that sink for just a second. I just decided to start going to church. No, you did not. (laughs) You had an appointment with destiny. You had an appointment with an eternal meeting that you were going to meet the Lord and to know that He says, I redeemed you. Why? Because you were in a place where you needed to be redeemed. I was in a place where I needed to be redeemed. I was lost. And He redeemed us. So, So because we are saved, and so I want you to start taking notes. Because we are saved, there are seven things that became realities in our life when we became saved. Seven things happened to us. Number one, by virtue of this new birth, there's what I call an innate experience. And the word innate means existing in one from birth, this experience. Because we're born again, say from above, we have the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. And I heard what Pastor Austin said, and that was a great word also in that. uh, Well, it may sound like my thoughts. That's right. (laughs) Terry's world. I thought if the Lord is going to talk to me, it's going to be like it was with Jesus. Outside, clouds open up. This is my beloved son. (laughs) Terry, this is me. You know, something like that. Or at least it would be a, a pastor on a microphone that had a deep voice. <laughs> you need to hear Jesus talking. You know, I didn't know what to expect, but the first time that I can honestly say that I believe I heard the voice of the Lord, it sounded like Terry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? First time I heard what I know now to be the devil that I was supposed to be resisting, it sounded like Terry. Right? So then I was confused. <laughs> no, wait, is, it, is, that, is that Jesus? Is that the devil? Or, or was it just me? Do I talk in three voices? How do I know which is which? And the way we know which is which is not necessarily by the voice you have. Listen real close. But it's by what that voice is saying to you. If that voice is condemning you, or if it's trying to speak to you, doubt, fear, and unbelief, that's not the voice of Jesus. That's the devil. And I used to just tell all the time on the devil, I'd, I called it prayer, and I'd tell on the devil. 
And then I would say, Lord, will you just fix that dude and just take care of the things that I'm tired and messing with me? And I heard then that other that sounded like me. And this is what it, that other said. It said, and I, I don't remember addresses real good, but I heard James chapter 4, verse 7. I thought, that, that can't be me. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is what I heard that voice say. You don't need to pray to me about resisting the devil because I've already given you the authority and my name. I need you to resist him. And so I said, okay. And I had my mouth closed and my head bowed and I went. And nothing happened. And I said, he's supposed to have the fleas. He ain't got the fleas. <laughs> he, hadn't even, he didn't flee. And so I had a, what I call prayer, but it's actually a gripe session. And I said, okay, now listen, if, if I talk to you, okay, I got it. I, you've given me the authority. You've given me your name. I did resist, but he didn't flee. So there's a problem. Either you're lying or I'm doing something wrong. I mean, what the answer was. <laughs> so I said, so how do, you, how do you resist the devil? And I heard in my heart, I heard it sounded like Terry, but I heard in my heart, you resist him with a word, but he cannot read your thoughts. You have to resist him. You got to speak something out. And I said, okay. So I said out loud, I said, you know what? You're in trouble because Jesus knows you're messing with me. That's what I said. And I heard this thought in my heart. That's the best you got. <laughs> and I said out loud, I said, wait, I read this somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but I read it. It's in the New Testament. And this is what I said. There was an argument about the body of Moses and the angel Michael said to Satan, he said, the Lord rebuke you. So I said, it's got to be that. So I said then, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You are resisted by the name of Jesus and fled, fled, went. So you don't pray to God about the devil. If you could hear him, he would say, I've already given you the authority, you resist. Right? All right. Glad I said that. Glad I got that. So number one, because we are saved, we have the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they don't know what his voice is. Is that what it says? It says, for they know his voice. Is what it said. Verse 5. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Let's pause. The truth is, if you think about this and process this, one of the reasons why people cannot hear in their spirit, they cannot hear the voice of the Lord, is because they're not doing the voice of the stranger's part. They're actually listening more intently to the voice of the stranger that speaks louder than the voice of the Lord. 
when we learn how to do what that said and do not listen to the voice of a stranger and turn that volume down, so it looks like this, zip it. (laughs) Shut up. Zip it. And then we go, I'm sorry. He was was talking too loud. You were saying? And the first time I heard the Lord say clearly my name, this is what I heard him say, Terry, I love you. And it landed different than, that sounded like me. It landed like I know what that was, but that wasn't me saying. That was the Lord saying, I love you. There's been a lot of people when I've given this testimony that I would say, so what was it the Lord said to you the first time in your spirit, in your heart, and you knew it to be Jesus? What was it he said? See, I see it now. Some of you are thinking, I don't know because I'm too busy listening to the voice of the stranger. I still hear the voice of the stranger more. So listen to the two. The enemy is condemning. The enemy fires doubt, fear, unbelief. The Lord, when he speaks, is love, compassionate, full of grace, full of mercy, full of truth, is the Lord. Right? Number two. Because we are saved. Secondly, what happened when we became saved? Number two, by the blood of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. First John chapter 2, verse 12 says, Your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. <laughs> Acts chapter 26, verses 17 and 18 says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as, as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Verse 18 to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You really need to know that the Lord forgave you of all of your sins on purpose. But I keep remembering that he doesn't remember. Psalm says he cast that away from you as far as the east is from the west, never to bring it up against you again. So why are you still trying to remember it? When he's forgiven you. It's part of your past. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you All trespasses, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So where are those statements where the devil tries to condemn us of things? It's been nailed to the cross. Who nailed it to the cross? It wasn't you. It wasn't the soldiers. It was the Lord that nailed all those things to the cross and announces over you it's nailed. So when the devil tries to remind you of your sins and what you've done, you need to remind him of where they've been nailed to. They've been nailed to the cross and you have been forgiven of all of your sin, not most of them, not a couple of them, not the, not the worst ones, not surely not the... Yes, all of the sins have been forgiven by the Lord. Come on, can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Number three. By the blood of Jesus, our conscience has also been cleansed. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit 
offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, I wrote, and sin, to serve the living God. You know, I hear it this way tonight. God's already forgiven you. You just need to forgive yourself. And usually we're the last one to forgive is to forgive ourselves. But He already has forgiven you. You just need to embrace that. And the cleansing of, of the conscience. Moving on. Number four. The fourth reality that happened when we became saved was that Jesus delivered us from darkness. He delivered us from darkness. Acts chapter 26 verse 18 what I read says, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, He, talking about Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Well, let that settle for just a second. So He translated, He transferred, He moved you from a, a place of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of His dear Son is where He moved you to. So when you have thoughts of searching our heart like we did tonight for just a moment, and if your heart tries to condemn you, listen, God is greater than your heart. There needs to be some soul searching. That's exactly right. There needs to be time that we're just saying, Lord, is everything right with me? Search my heart and make sure because things can try to hide. But to hear also that second part, But the Lord's forgiven you of all those things, cleansed your conscience, and has conveyed you into a different kingdom that you do not walk in traffic in darkness, but you walk in a kingdom of God that's walking in light, not in darkness. Thank you, Lord. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Number five, the fifth one is, is that Jesus brought us into this kingdom. John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that means a natural birth, and the spirit, the spirit realm, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And because you and I did, then we entered into the kingdom of God. Number six, Jesus came to dwell in our hearts. Number six, he came to dwell in our hearts through faith. Ephesians 3, 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So when we became saved, when we became redeemed, also what happened to us is that the Lord came to live on the inside of us. He came to dwell in our hearts. I just don't know that Jesus is living inside of me. He's living inside of us. Okay? And then number seven, last one. Jesus made us alive together with Him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him. And it says it again. Having forgiven you all. Everybody say all. all. Forgave you of all of your trespasses. Amen. How many are glad tonight that you're saved? You're redeemed. Amen. Amen. 